Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. This particular episode is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, you know, Marvin and I were talking offline and I was saying, usually, you know, we talk to startups, we talk to people that are abundant in their entrepreneurial endeavors and they're growing opportunities and growing businesses. But Marvin is on the other side of the coin, which is a very um, interesting and fruitful side of the coin that, you know, obviously if you're in a startup, if you're a beginning entrepreneur, everything that he's going to tell you today on this podcast is going to be something that you would definitely want to take out your notebook and write notes down. Because as you guys know, I always deem whoever I'm interviewing with a particular nickname. And today's episode, I'm going to deem Marvin as the exit strategy boss. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Well, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me on. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, have worked with entrepreneurs now for several decades, and I started out as probably most of your audience as a startup. Uh, I got my degree in accounting and went to work for a large national accounting firm and decided very early on that that wasn't going to be the path that I would pursue long term. It was a good foundation. Uh, and while playing pickup basketball uh, after work, uh, I uh, met a guy that uh, we hit it off real well, you know, well, and we just uh, built a bond and friendship, and that led to us talking about business. And before you know it, we're leaving our respective jobs and and uh, starting a, a business. So started out with just uh, you know the two of us in an office with desks that were facing each other, and uh, we were in the equipment leasing business at the time, and. Uh, we built that business from the two of us up to, you know, 70, 75 people, uh, took up a couple floors in an office building downtown in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, it, was a, it was a great ride. And uh, we came to a point after a while, we decided that our career goals were changing. And, and uh, we went to a park and sat down and in an afternoon worked out our, our, our exit strategy at that time. And uh, kind of went our went our separate ways, and then from that point on, I, you know, got involved in another business and grew that business, and eventually built it to a national platform that had several hundred locations around the country. And uh, a few years ago, I uh, exited that business and I thought I would just sort of fade off and uh, take life easy. Uh, that's kind of the dream of everyone is to you know, get to a point in time where you can go do the things you really want to do. And uh, I found that my real passion in life uh, was being involved and being in the game and uh, standing on the sidelines wasn't as exciting as I thought it was going to be. And and I, I got to thinking about, you know, all the experiences I'd had in my business. And the last exit I had when I sold the business uh, was a little bit different than other exits that I'd had that were kind of at a much smaller scale. And I was not all that well clued in. This involved outside financing, you know, private equity and boards of directors and banks and all that type of stuff. And and it was something that I was not prepared for. Mm -hmm. And after I sold that business, I, you know, as I said, I got 
thinking about what's kind of what's next. And I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of other people out there like me and businesses that are small, mid-sized or large businesses. Uh, you only get to stand at the plate once or twice generally when you sell a business. And sometimes you spend years, if not decades, sometimes a lifetime of uh, building something. And then you don't give a whole lot of thought about how you're going to get out of business. A lot of time and energy is spent about getting into a business and how to do that. Uh, but not a lot of times uh, significant thought is given to how, how am I going to monetize this? How am I going to get maximum value? And when am I going to exit? And uh, that's why I started a podcast called Business Exit Stories and uh, have sort of built up a consulting business on the side of that. And, and it's just been a great ride. I've just met phenomenal entrepreneurs and deal makers, you know, the business brokers, M&A specialists, investment bankers that uh, make deals happen. Very, very, very well said. And I'm just, just listening and recapping to what you said. I mean, obviously, I would say you're more of a serial exit strategist at this point. You didn't do it once. You didn't do it twice. I mean, you're doing it multiple times, not for yourself, but for other people as well. So let's just dive into like your story a little bit. Like if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those three to five words be? Um, you know, exit strategist. I think that... Uh... That sort of sums it up. Uh, a lot of people are startup specialists, turnaround specialists. Uh, you don't find a lot of folks out there that focus on the exit. Nice. And, that, and that's really what it's all about. I mean, that's why you work so hard. That's why you start businesses. You want to make a good living while you're doing it. But eventually you want to monetize all that hard work. Let's just talk about like your story for a minute. I mean, obviously, like historically, I mean, you've done a couple of different things. You know, if you've done some traveling, you know, I think in, in your bio, you were in Africa at one time. So like, how do you, you know, go from doing all these different facets to then honing in to being more so of an exit strategist? How did that come to, to, to fruition? Well, that was kind of, you know, just stumbling into it. That wasn't a career goal. That isn't what I planned on doing. It's just that I've had several exits. And every one of them was different. Uh, the last one was uh, different than my first two. Um, you know, every every time I got involved and, and you know, sold a business, it was kind of a ne the next step up. And uh, so I've, I've, I've sold businesses that had, you know, a handful of employees and some that had a lot of employees. Uh, and the, the experience is just different. And so how I got into it, it was because um, I, under, I started to gain an appreciation for the skill of being able to exit profitably and successfully. There's an interesting statistic, uh, you know, that is thrown around a lot out there. And maybe some of your audience has heard that, you know, startups that are in business five years after they launch, you know, 80, 85, 90% of them don't succeed. Uh, well, there's an interesting statistic that you don't hear too much about, and that is for all the businesses out there that are listed for sale, over 80% of them don't sell. That means they go out of business, they close up shop, uh, they you know, business, the owners walk away because they haven't been able, they, they aren't able to make that last lap and turn what they've worked in and sell it. And it's all avoidable, quite frankly. Uh, it's all, uh, you know, you don't, that doesn't have to be your legacy uh, to have to, you know, liquidate a business or sell it for less than value. 
And those that do sell, a great majority of those that do sell, sell for less than the anticipated exit and sales price. Um, you know, an owner believes that, an entrepreneur, that they have worked hard and that hard work should translate into value. Well, the marketplace doesn't really value hard work necessarily. They they value metrics. What is the business worth? What is the free cash flow? You know, what is your gross margins? Those are the things to value at the market values. And, you know, you can have a phenomenal business. You can make a good living at it. But when it comes time to exit, if you haven't done the right things and the person on the other side of the table looking at your business doesn't see the value you put into the business because you are lost in the forest. You don't see the trees. And you just think because it's your business, you've worked hard, you got a good name and reputation, but the underlying metrics of that business don't establish or you know, create the value that you anticipate. They don't justify that value. And if you know that, and if you can project yourself looking down the road a few years, what is a buyer going to want to see in my business? You know, if I were a buyer at this time, what would I be looking at in my business? What would be the numbers? What would be the metrics that I would be looking at? It's, it's almost dumbfounding to me that people uh, that are bright, they're hardworking, they've spent decades building up a business, they don't take hardly any time to ask those fundamental questions of what a buyer is going to be looking at a few years down the road when they believe it's giving time to exit. And quite frankly, <laughs> the problem is, is that most exits, most people get their business uh, on the market because of an external event. Uh, they get burned out, uh, competition is entered, um, they get have a health event, a death in the family, problems with a partner, uh, more often than not, those are the type of uh, motivations and drivers that uh, people decide now is the time to sell. It isn't a plan. It isn't a well thought out plan that people put in place. So, uh, and because of that, uh, people sometimes get caught with their pants down. I, th I think you know. I, I want to unpack some of that, right? So, listening to, to what you're saying, obviously, I mean, you're very astute to, to what you're doing. So, I, I want to kind of make this as layman as we possibly can for some of the new startups or the new entrepreneurs getting into it. So, uh, exit strategies, right? So, people that may hear exit strategy may maybe in the conception of just selling a company, but there, there's multiple different aspects to selling a company. You have acquisitions, you have mergers, you have equity sellouts, you have stock. So, let, let's dive into that. Like, I mean, like, could you kind of like itemize out and list all the different variables of exit strategies that, that you know of? Well, you're right when you say that there are a lot of different ways people can uh, step away from their business. And you mentioned that a lot of your audience here are people that are in their early stages of growing their business. All too often, I see uh, decisions made early in a business, such as how they structure the business, uh, the type of entity they create, uh, the type of partnership agreements they have, or the type of people they bring on board. All those early decisions uh, can have a long-term effect on what your business is eventually going to be valued. If you know that and you have got are starting a business, uh, you know, I often give the analogy that uh, you would never go on a vacation 
uh, without, uh, or most people would, I would say, go on a vacation and just get in the car and start driving with not knowing where you're going, how long you're going to be gone, what you want to see, and when do you have to be back from your vacation. It's, it's People put a lot more planning into a family vacation, quite frankly, than they do sometimes in planning how they're going to get out of their business. And that that, that is a true statement. I, I can say that based on experience, uh, that people don't take the necessary time to just think about what they're working so hard for and how they're going to monetize that. And so when you ask the question about the different types of exits that uh, you can be involved in, you know, uh, you can sell out to a partner. Uh, you can sell out to a third party. Uh, you can sell out to your employees. Uh, you can look for a strategic buyer, that someone in your own industry. Uh, that may not be geographically where you're located and they're thinking of coming into the market. And one of the things they will always do, they will look whether it is better to build or to buy. They want to enter a new region, a new state, a new part of the country. Uh, they will look around for who the players are in that you know, geographical region and they will uh, see what their position in the marketplace is, and they may even open up discussions uh, and, and acquisition discussions. If you've been in business, for those of you that have been in business for any period of time and your business is doing well, you will have people reach out blindly to you and ask you about uh, selling your business. Are you interested in selling? Some of those are just third-party intermediaries that are looking to find companies that uh, are looking for positioning themselves to sell. And others are really strategic acquirers that are looking for the ability to acquire a company instead of spend, spending a lot of money and a lot of time uh, building up uh, their presence in a, a specific geographical region. So it kind of really depends on the type of business you're in, uh, depends on what size your business is. Uh, you should never discount that size is the only thing that matters, that you need to be a big business to be of interest to somebody. Uh, you may have, some of your audience may have the term of roll-up, where an entity is going and around the country buying smaller entities to incorpor incorporate them into a larger brand. And uh, a lot of times it's just a handful of people uh, that comprise a company that can become a part of a roll-up, you know. And a lot of times that they can get extremely high valuations for their company because they are in the right place at the right time. Very nice, very nice. Well done. So. I mean, with that, let's just say, let's talk about your like your your ideal client because you're talking about you do some consultant. So, do you deal with startups? Do you kind of help them formalize like the right principles and and the right foundations of the land, or do you more so kind of come in and, and kind of check and and see if there's cracks in the foundation, help them fill those voids to get them on the right track? Well, for a startup, it's you know the the type of things that you need to do at a startup is more strategic than it is, per, you know, a planning for what's going to happen in the next two or three years. And so the question is, yes, I think a startup should, uh, you know, have some discussion or give some thought to what the end game is going to be. Uh, 
Sometimes you start a company if uh, you're you're an employee working for somebody else and you have a specific expertise and you're maybe downsized or you know you decide that um, the company you're working for has changed its values and you don't want to work there anymore and you think about going out on your own and you do. Well, when you do that, you you probably have some sort of idea of how long you're going to be doing this. If you're in your 40s or you're in your 20s or you're in your 50s, you know, depending on what your age is and what your goals are, will somewhat set you on a course of how long you're going to be practically be in that business. Uh, I've talked to a lot of young entrepreneurs in their 20s that you know, launch something. They have no intention of this make, making this their life's career and, and dream that they want to be in this forever. You know, they see an opportunity, they grab it, they build it, they get it up to a point and uh, they attract the attention of someone. And that may be their intention all along is that they're going to be in this for five years. And so I think if your audience out there is looking at uh, you know, where they're at in their business, they've been in the business a few years, or maybe even thinking of just getting into business, you know, to have a good practical discussion with someone about setting a plan in place of what really is your specific goals and what you want to achieve. And it really depends on a number of factors, the least of which is not, is your age and how long you plan on being in this, in this business. You know, I, I talk to people that in their 20s that have a very specific plan. They want don't want to be in this business any more than five to seven years, and they want to move on and do something else. You know, they just see an opportunity and a gap in the market, and they want to attack it, but they have no intention of being in it long term. And when they have that type of thought process, you do things differently than you are if uh, this is your passion what you want to be doing for the next 20 or 30 years, you make decisions that are different and they definitely have an impact on how your business is going to be valued when that time does, does come because decisions you make today are going to, in many cases, uh, profound, profoundly impact how a buyer is going to look at your business. Very interesting. So let's just get back on like your story for, for a little bit. I mean, I think that obviously you're in a serial situation to where you had multiple exit strategies, right? So obviously the perception of you being overnight success is kind of completely out the window. But in reality, how long have you been on your journey? Well, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Uh, my father uh, had his own business. I saw the ups and downs, uh, you know, being a kid raised a, a father that, you know, had several businesses as he was growing up. I saw him become, you know, I grew up in a small town of rural America, and he was one of the, you know, I would say upper middle class. You know, he had his own business. He, he walked in the same circles as the doctors and attorneys in town because he had a very successful business. And I saw him... Uh, things take a turn and the economy changed and I saw him struggle and, uh, you know, have to, you know, go from one business to another. So I wasn't under any illusions of what entrepreneurship was all about. Uh, he always wanted me to get a better education. He, he never graduated from high school. Uh, he was raised on a ranch and uh, when his father passed away, they had to sell the ranch and he moved into town and, um, uh, 
You know, he went to work as a mechanic because on a ranch, <laughs> you fix everything. He was in the middle of nowhere. His ranch was, you know, 75 miles from the nearest town. And so they came in, you know, it was amazing because when I visited the family farm, the family ranch, you know, it's later in my, you know, adulthood, you know, after I'd left home, I had a chance to go back and go out and look at the, the ranch. And they would literally... Uh, go to town, get stock up on supplies in October, September, October, and they didn't come back to town until the next spring. They were they were stuck. If, if something broke, if you got sick, you were there. There was no way you were getting out of there. And so that's the type of era, you know era that my father grew up in. And so when I looked at his being a entrepreneur and he wanted me to get a better education, as I said, and so I did. I went and got an education, but you know the the lure of doing my own thing and you know seeing the success my father had at various points in his life, uh, it was kind of something that you have that itch for, and that's why I was receptive when we got to talking about doing our own thing with my basketball partner. Uh, that's what drew me back into uh, you know doing becoming an entrepreneur, doing my own thing. And I think a lot of your audience probably has similar type of yearnings or personality profiles that uh, they find it difficult to work for somebody else. And and uh, I didn't really find it difficult to work for somebody else. I just had that, you know, earning yearning. And so that's why I started my own business. Nice, nice. So with the opportunity just to say on a science fix, fiction level, if time travel was possible, and you can go back in time and whisper something in your ears at any given time throughout your life. What would you whisper to yourself to kind of change the outcome that you currently have or maybe go on a different path? That's an interesting question, and I think it's a good question for folks to ask. Uh, uh, at my point in my career, I'm kind of at the tail end of my career. Uh, a lot of your audience probably at the beginning of the career, but if, at the tail end of my career, if I could go back and and make and and whisper something, do something differently. Uh, I would have been more thoughtful on decisions I was making that had long-term implications. A lot of times, I didn't think through decisions as uh, as well as you should have. I think right now, if I would tell any entrepreneur out there is that take a day or two to think about your decisions and think about the worst case scenario if it goes south. What does that mean? Uh, I was, I, I, by personality, I'm an optimist. And so I find it, I would say, somewhat tiresome or burdensome to kind of look at the other side, the negative, uh -huh. uh, of how something is going to turn out because sometimes you get... Uh, you know, paralyzed in thinking about all the different scenarios and you just don't make a decision. You know, you, you just never get off of your tail and make a decision. I was just the opposite. I would see an opportunity and I would just jump in and do it. And probably unfortunately for me, uh, a lot of my early decisions uh, that I made decisions in that manner uh, turned out well and sometimes spectacularly well, kind of like a home run. You know, my first business, I mean, I can remember taking the elevator down at the end of the year 
when my partner and I had started the business, we had been in business four or five years, and uh, we had just we were just crushing it. We were killing it. And uh, I can remember riding down the elevator on New Year's Eve, about four or five o'clock in the afternoon on the 31st of December. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I said, should we just bag it? Should we just take our money and go home? You know, because we had a lot of money in the bank. I mean, you know, seven figures in the bank. And, uh, and we looked at each other and smiled and said, nah, this is too much fun, you know. And we went from riding the crest of that wave when the economy turned. We thought we were pretty smart. We, were, we just happened to be the right place at the right time. It's kind of like a, for those surfers out there, when you catch a wave, you know, you see the wave coming, you have your, your surfboard, you paddle and you get up and you stand up and you ride that wave until you wow. ride it to the beach. And uh, we were riding that wave, unfortunately, the wave was the economy and uh, we had our surfboards and we're smart enough to stand up. But when the economy took a downturn, uh, things beyond our control, uh, it, it was a different world. We thought we created the wave and we tried to recreate the wave again and we tried to reinvent ourselves and it didn't work out so well the second time. We weren't very good at creating the wave ourselves. And it took a long time for us to, you know, figure out what we needed to do in the new world, the new economy. But we eventually did figure it out. But if we would have taken uh, some of the decisions we had made, if I had taken an extra day or two and said to myself, okay, if I were to make, if we make this decision, what's the worst thing that could happen to us? Uh And I never thought like that. I never thought about the worst thing that could happen. We just did it. And sometimes that works out great. Uh, sometimes it doesn't. And some of the decisions that I, if I were to make those decisions today and ask that question, what would be the worst thing that could happen? I would have made different decisions. Uh, so for, for those out there, I think if I had any advice to offer, it would be take a day or two to think about the, some of your more major decisions and ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? And if the worst thing could happen, you know, maybe pretty drastic, but you're willing to take that risk, then do it. But sometimes I, I, I probably wouldn't have took that risk if I had thought through my decision. I would, I would have, I would have probably taken a less risky course and probably been have achieved as much success, but would have protected my downsides somewhat. Excellent. Nice. I think that this is a very, very interesting answer because, I mean, in reality, in today's world, people are taught to make quick decisions, right? Don't hesitate on decisions. Don't hesitate on opportunities, you know, make the decision and then deal with the repercussions afterwards. So, I mean, 2020 is hindsight, but what you're saying is like, you know, make quick decisions, but stop at least for a second to think about the process of decision before you just sign on the dotted line, which is I think you put it very well. I, I am all for making decisive decisions. I think that's one of the characteristics of real success, successful entrepreneurs. Uh, but, uh, you know, consider the, the, the magnitude of the downside. Uh, most likely, you're going to make the same decision anyway. Uh, but occasionally, you may want to pause and you may step back and say, okay, I'm going to make the decision, but I'm going to do it a little bit differently this time. And if I'd have done that, it would have, it would, some of the decisions I made would have turned out better. I know that. Wow. 
So, I mean, you brought up your dad being like a hell of an entrepreneur and, you know, being able to walk against or amongst the echelon, right? But growing up as a kid, you've seen that mm-hmm. happening. So I would think that would probably be an influence to, to where you are right now. So my next question is kind of like, how do you currently juggle like your family life with your work life? Well, right now I have the privilege, as I said, I'm at the tail end of my career, so I don't work with the same intensity as I did early in my career. Uh, you know, 16, 17 hour days were nothing. You know, when I was uh, building and scaling a company, I just loved what I was doing and it wasn't really work for me. And I'm sure a lot of your audience said that's the way it is for them. And sometimes you get the work-life balance out of kilter, and I did. You know, there are different times in your life where you have to put work first because you have to put bread on the table. And sometimes, uh, you know, your family and personal life, you know, is put on the side because, you know, making a go of it is, you know, real crucial. And if you don't do what you need to be doing, unfortunately, some people get into a pattern that that becomes their life uh, and they don't readjust down the road. Uh, for those uh, you know that don't readjust down the road, uh, generally do not have uh, a lifestyle or you know marriages that hold together or kids that they build relationships with or friends that they build have long term uh, when they sacrifice you know profession or or their business over everything else and it becomes a lifestyle and that's how they they operate over a long period of time. Um, so I've learned that, uh, you know, there are times when you sprint and you have to be very focused and you have to have blinders on because you're working against a deadline, you're working on a big client, you're working on a big financing or whatever the situation may be, and you have to put blinders on to get it done. It's kind of, you know, you're in a seventh game of a seven-game series for the world title, you know, if you're going to use a sports metaphor. Uh, you know, you have so much time to get the job done. But after that, you need to, after the game is over, that specific push or crunch time, then you need to, you know, recalibrate and, you know, balance out your life. And don't make your life one series of seventh game playoff series, you know, week after week or year after year. Uh, It never works. Never works that way. Even those that make a lot of money, uh, they usually have a lot of regrets during the way. Definitely interesting. I mean, I would, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I would think that, you know, based upon, like, the way you're defining these particular answers, I would say you're a very structured individual. So my next question is, is based upon, like, your daily structure. Like, what does your morning routines, your morning habits look like? Up around six, uh, I always uh, do my exercise. I, I walk and listen to podcasts, you know, every day. Uh, I have a four four mile route that I take, uh, a jog or a walk. Uh, you know, then midday around lunchtime, uh, you know, I have uh, another set of routine of exercises. Uh, I've learned that uh, the stress level uh, is tremendously reduced. I uh, my father passed away of a heart attack. His brothers passed away of a heart attack. I didn't know my mother growing up. And I met her later in life. Uh, when I was 22 years old, I met her for the first time. And uh, in my early discussions with her, I asked her, tell me a little bit about my, your, her side of the family. 
and I found out that you know uh, her family also had uh, she was the youngest of 11 children and nine of her brothers and sisters her siblings had had heart issues and she did too and so I you know at the early 20s I became very dialed in to my cardiovascular health so I watch it like a hawk and uh, so I'm always doing things I early on I I found I, I, I really found something interesting that it's probably common knowledge, but I had lived it myself, is that I would take my blood pressure, you know, five or six times a day. Uh, and I would I would chart, you know, what the, my blood pressure readings were and what I was doing, you know, you know, when when was I took that blood pressure. Sometimes I would have just come out of a uh, you know, an intensive meeting or was really focused on something that was a kind of a high stress situation or, and I noticed that I could drop my blood pressure, uh, you know, by 30% uh, just by exercising. And uh, I, I went through and I charted that when I first noted, noticed this, that I would, I would have my blood pressure be up around, you know, 150, 155 over, you know, 135 or something like that. And uh, uh, you know, that's pretty high. And, uh, and uh, I would, you know, go exercise and then I would take my blood pressure after exercising and it would be down to, you know, 113 over 79, you know, just because I exercised. And so, uh, I mean, that's common knowledge, you know, I mean, if you read, if you read anything related to health, you know, they're always telling you that, you know, to de-stress and, you know, to maintain your, your blood pressure and everything, you know, exercise, you know. Well, I, I actually, you know, saw that in real time in myself. So even, even today, I, I monitor that and keep track of it. And uh, that, so my routine getting up is to exercise. Uh, I do plan my day. I have my my list of things I I do. I do plan plan my day. I keep track of what I'm doing, um, uh, but not only a, kind of like a to do list, but things that are more global. You know what I want to achieve for the year, and you know break it down into components of you know what what needs to be done when to get something done. Uh, you know a bigger term project. Uh, I'm not an engineer type, but. Uh, that's how engineers think. They take a very complex problem and they break it down to small steps. And what seems like an insurmountable task or goal uh, is just a series of small, small steps. And I, I, the older I've gotten, the more I, I realize that uh, the first journey begins with that first step. I mean, all common sense stuff, you know, no, no, no big revelations there, but it's really hard to incorporate it into your life. Yeah, uh, a lot of times. Definitely. Well, I definitely appreciate you sharing that. I think this this next question kind of, uh, I'm very interested to kind of hear what your answers are because I, I also know that you're a fellow author as well. So, um, part of this podcast, I mean, I've had the journey of, of interviewing like hundreds of people at this point in time, and I've had asked this question to every single one of them, and it's a three part question, right? So the first part of this question is, what books have you read on your journey? Right. Like what's the telltale book that stands out to you that helped you go, you know, from zero to 50, from 50 to 75, 75 to 100. 
And then second part of this question is, what books are you actively reading right now? It could be audio books or what physical books do you read, maybe on a routine basis. And then let's talk about the books that you've authored and your new book that's about to come out as well. Well, uh, the book that probably uh, I really enjoyed reading a number of years ago that really uh, crystallized a lot of the things of my core beliefs uh, is The Startup of You, and it's by Reid Hoffman, the, the guy that started LinkedIn. Um, it, it really, you know, uh, the, the core concepts that he talks about uh, of you yourself, you know, the startup of you, which is, you know, a very catchy title. But it really is talking about uh, it's people that make things happen. It's you that makes things happen. People that big build big companies. I mean, Steve Jobs, you know, the classic entrepreneur and visionary, you know, uh, it was about who he was, you know, how he managed and viewed the world. And, uh, I, you know, if, you, if those of you hadn't read that, uh, you know, just I think it's worth a pickup. It's, it's been around for a number of years, but that's probably a book that uh, really had a uh, crystallize a lot of the thoughts that I had into a, a kind of a format that I really embraced. Uh, what I'm reading right now, actually, I'm about two-thirds of the way through it. Um, it's uh, a book called The Premonition, and uh, it's about the pandemic, actually. And it's the... Uh, the um, I, it's in the other room. Um, I'm trying to think of the opera, but it's The Premonition. Um, he's written a number of books uh, uh, that, that are, you know, national bestsellers, and I'm sure this one will be. It just came out a month or so ago, and it's about the, the trail of uh, the, pen, the people behind uh, the national pandemic strategy, or lack thereof and how politics plays such a, a big role in what does and does not get done. Uh, what's been amazing to me in reading, reading this book is uh, how political uh, everything is and, and how people say they follow the science, but uh, they really follow the politics versus the science. And um, it's, it, it's just been an interesting read. So that's what I'm reading right now. Nice. Let's talk about your books. And, uh, well, I, I, I'm doing this podcast called the Business Exit Stories podcast where I interview D-makers. Um, that's kind of how got me got me started uh, after I got bored not being involved and being in the game. I decided to do this podcast, Business Exit Stories. And I originally started out, I was going to interview entrepreneurs that sold their business, but I quickly figured out that was going to be an uphill climb because every entrepreneur I talked to thought their business exit was the business exit that was going to end all business exits. It was the greatest exit on the planet, uh, which th they weren't all that interesting, quite frankly. And uh, But then I had this kind of uh, aha moment where I thought, uh, you know, why don't I, why am I not talking to the deal makers, the people that do this day in and day out, the M&A specialists, you know, the investment bankers, the transaction attorneys, et cetera. 
and they have a lot of stories to draw on. And so that's what I started doing. I shifted the focus of the podcast where every podcast is about four transactions that these professionals, these experts um, bring to the table and they talk about the takeaways. They talk about uh, um, their good, bad, and ugly exit stories. And there have been some really ugly ones, let me tell you. Uh, businesses selling, being worth $5 million to you know, one year, and the next year they they closed. Uh, and just a matter of timing. And real sad stories were entire families' legacy and you know ability to provide for themselves just disappears because of bad decisions and real heartbreaking stories. And um, so I started doing this podcast and I started getting from the audience that's listening to it, I started getting a lot of feedback on what do I do next? And so I started thinking about the process. uh, And so I started writing a book and I developed, uh, you know, kind of a methodology, uh, putting in kind of the the big concepts, the, the, the things that you really need to do. There's a lot of things you can do but uh, kind of the checklist of things that you can do. And I coined an acronym, Parachute, and the book uh, come out early next year. It'll be called Pack Your Parachute. Uh, you know, how to plot your successful business exit and double the value of your business. Yeah. And so that that's a little bit about the book that I'm, I'm writing right now. And it's just uh, kind of the history of my experience and the you know, tales of stories and case studies uh, and the takeaways from those case studies. It'll be a really interesting read. Nice. I mean, I definitely like the title. Is that a play on like the Golden Parachute or where did that title come from? Well, uh, I actually, I went skydiving with my daughter and uh, I don't like heights. (laughs) It was a uh, a white knuckle experience for me. She had a lot of fun, but it was a white knuckle experience for me. We were in Aus- I was on a business trip and we were in Australia, New Zealand, and she turned 21 while we were on the trip. And uh, I asked her what she wanted for her birthday and she said she wanted to go skydiving. And, uh, anyway, long story, but uh, uh, I guess it, that, that isn't why, you know, what color do your parachute? That's not why I got it. It was uh, the, the metaphor of the, the pilot never packs his parachute while the plane engines are on fire. That's not when you pack your parachute. You pack your parachute before you get on the plane. And I thought that was a good metaphor for what a how an entrepreneur should look at their business. They should have their parachute packed way before they plan on exiting it. So if something happens unexpectedly, the economy, a health, a death, uh, their parachute's packed, they just can grab it and jump. Uh, but so many times they're frantically packing their parachute as the plane's engines are on fire and they're going in the nosedive. That's that's what happens a lot of times. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, I think you alluded to um, indirectly about a conversation about legacy. So like, our next question is, I mean, obviously you're really big into exit strategies. And so what is your 20 year exit strategy from now? Where do you see like you, your business and your legacy 20 years from now? Well, I, I, I'm passionate about what I do because, especially since now I'm doing this podcast, because, you know, I've, I've, like you, I, I've now heard hundreds of stories. Um, really, the, the, the home runs, you know, the, sec, the doubles uh, and the strikeouts. 
And it just breaks my heart to see an entrepreneur who has spent decades, if not a lifetime, working hard, sacrificing family time and social life and everything else to build his business. And then, as I've mentioned before, uh, take, three, take that final time at the plate and strike out. And uh, it, it's just all so unnecessary. So my real passion, my legacy I'd like to leave is I'd just like to help entrepreneurs uh, from making the big mistakes uh, when it comes to thinking about uh, stepping away from their business. Uh, I can tell you probably 99% of the time, the big mistakes are avoidable. Virtually 100% of the time, they're avoidable. They don't be, they be, they don't become avoidable when you don't think about it and you don't do the right things. And then it becomes almost a fait accompli. Uh, you don't do the right things, there's going to be consequences to that lack of action. And uh, it's just heartbreaking. I mean, I, I, I've just, it, it just, I mean, really tragic stories of people, how they lost it all. And um, it, that's my, what I'd like to leave as a legacy is to have helped people uh, avoid the unnecessary and to uh, live the dream that they want to live. Most, most entrepreneurs can live the dream that they envision if they plan it properly. Great to think. So, I mean, I mean, with that, I, mean, I think you're, you're delivering so much, so much value in this particular episode. Uh, what, what would I think? A good question would be like, what's the top three things that any startup entrepreneur, business owner should be keen and aware of going into not even thinking about knowing even the existence of exit strategy? Well, <clears throat> as trite as this seems, uh, they should plan. Uh, I mean, if you really think about it, uh, there's only a handful of things that can happen to a business really four. Uh, one is that uh, you could live forever, which is not likely. Um, you can go out of business, go bankrupt, which you don't want to do. You can sell to a business partner or a family member internally, or you find a third party to buy your business. There are no other options. You know, you uh, those are the four options that you really have, and three of them are realistic. And so you don't want to have the option of going out of business. And as I said, the statistic I gave you earlier is that if you go and look at all the businesses out there that are listed for sale, uh, either privately or through a third-party intermediary, such as a broker or an M&A specialist, uh, eight out of ten uh, don't get sold. That means they end up continuing to run it uh, or they go out of business. Liquidation voluntarily or involuntarily. Uh, and you don't want that to be your legacy. You don't want that to be the result of years, if not decades, of hard work. And it's all avoidable. And so that is really what, you know, people should think about is uh, you're, if you're running a business right now, those that are listening to this interview here, this podcast, ask yourself the question right now, 
How am I going to get out of my business? What's the end game? When? And who am I going to sell for? Who would be the ideal buyer for my business? If you can't have good answers to those questions, then you need to do something about it. You may be selling in five years or 10 years from now, but those are the questions that uh, you need to start asking now. Because if you don't position yourself properly, uh, it's kind of like turning the Titanic. You can't turn on a dime six months before you're going to sell your business. There's too many things that uh, you need to do that take time. Actually, I think with that, I mean, going into like final words of wisdom, right? So what would be your final words of wisdom to an entrepreneur, a business owner, or even a startup, right? Like, what would you tell someone to kind of continue to have them focus on what they're now? Because a lot of times startups and entrepreneurs, they're focused on the issues at hand. They're not thinking about exit strategies. So what would you tell someone to itemize out to understand the principle that you're educating us on right now today? Well, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, is that most entrepreneurs have their nose to the grindstone. They don't have time to stick up their head <laughs> and look down the road. They're too busy taking care of business today and putting out fires. And therein lies the problem. Uh, is that that becomes a pattern. It becomes a habit. It becomes a process that you never stand back and look up. And that's dangerous. You need to really... Uh, start, you know, if, if, if you started a business three years ago, uh, you're not thinking about, you know, what, when you're going to sell your business, you're just trying to survive today a lot of times. And even if you're really successful, you're just thinking about, you know, that next million you're going to make and grow your sales, you know, that that's what you're thinking about all the time. And uh, that's, that's the way it should be, quite frankly. But as you're making some of those strategic decisions, like who you're hiring, uh, how you're formatting your business, uh, occasionally you need to just take a step back and ask the question, you know, uh, when do I want, ideally, when should I sell my business in the future? Five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, whatever that answer is. That'll change. It always does. Nothing is cast in stone. But you need to start that. You need to think that start practice. So the big takeaway that I would like to leave for anyone that's listening here today, uh, the big takeaway is you need to think about it. You don't. You, you don't want to not put your. You don't want to put yourself in a position to be making decisions. As and I'll use the metaphor of the parachute. You know that your engines are on fire. You don't want to be packing your parachute at that time. You want that parachute packed. You want to have gone through the process of thinking about it. Now, when you use that parachute, you may never have to use that parachute, quite frankly. Uh, but if you have to, uh, you've done a lot of the things that are going to be necessary that are already done. You don't have to think about and you can just grab the parachute and jump and then you can pull the, pull the ripcord and you're home safe. So how do people get in contact with you? I mean, obviously you have a website, you have a podcast, social media profiles. Well, um, the podcast, I, any entrepreneur out there should listen to the podcast, really. Uh, business Exit Stories are entertaining. Uh, uh, they're always different. Uh, there is no exit that is the same. Uh, 
similar type of businesses, different entrepreneurs. Every exit has its own unique twist and turns to it. So you should listen to the podcast. I have a free report that uh, I've prepared. Um, it's uh, if you want that free report, it's how to how to literally double the price or the value and the amount of money you put into your pocket uh, when you sell. Uh, it's not that hard to do if you think about it. And so this report is for those entrepreneurs out there that just want to spend a little time thinking about it now versus five years from now. This report will be somewhat enlightening. And it's kind of the basis that I've uh, kind of written my book on. It's kind of the uh, big picture overview. Uh, you know, it's a 10, 12 page uh, white paper report uh, that I think you'll read again. You just go to Business Exit Stories dot com forward slash report and uh, you'll be directed to a landing page where you can download the report at no cost to you so I, I think that would be a good starting point for anybody out there that is an entrepreneur that doesn't want to work their whole life and not be able to monetize what they've built very nice very nice so going into to the bonus round um, I think this next question will be very interesting right um, if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? <laughs> oh, my my real hero, I, you know, historical figure uh, would be Abraham Lincoln. I have read his autobiography. You know, I've read a number of books, you know, uh, on him. Uh, he, he just fascinates me uh, for a person that, you know, grew up in a log cabin and, and rose to the highest land, uh, office in the country and under the most trying and difficult circumstances. And then uh, less than two weeks after the war, you know, was finished and won, uh, then he's assassinated, you know, uh, you know, what, what our country could have been like if he could have lived another uh, normal lifespan. Uh, so that that would be why I, I just think his uh, insightful wisdom uh, is uh, is for the ages, and I would love to be able to chat with him. For someone in our own era, it would probably be Steve Jobs. You know, um, uh, I'm a diehard Apple uh, person. I used to uh, I, I resisted a long time uh, buying the expensive you know Mac computers, but once I made the uh, the transition over to that platform and kind of the, their ecosystem and for the brand that they've built and their customer service and the quality of their products and, and the type of visionary he was, I, I, you know, he, he's kind of the, the ultimate visionary and at least in our generation. Very true. Very true. I got another one for you. Um, outside of your kids and, and your direct family, what is your greatest achievement to date? Well, I think the, my greatest achievement, I think, is having learned through the, uh, you know, the school of hard knocks of uh, what to do and not to do uh, when it comes to, you uh, know, I'll, I'll, I'll restrict my comments to exiting a business because there's a lot of people out there that talk about how to build a business, how to market a business, how to start a business, how to do this with the business, how to do that with the business. 
and relatively few, there are some folks out there, but relatively few talk about how to monetize all that hard work. Mm -hmm. And so what I think uh, has been my most successful or accomplishment is getting to a point in my career that I've learned by experience, not only practical, but uh, you know where I have stumbled and fallen flat face, face first on the, save, on the pavement, uh, and then been able to get back up and uh, you know position a company that I have a lot of people working for me uh, and to exit successfully. Um, and I could have done it better. And you know now that I know that I could have done it better, I want to share what I could have done better with everybody else. So they don't have to go through the same stupid mistakes that I made. <laughs> and some of them were really stupid, by the way. Interesting. So going into closing of the podcast, I mean, I always like to give whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to become the host of my show. And since you're a fellow podcaster, this will be highly easy for you. So the microphone is yours. The show is yours. And do you have any questions that you would like to ask me? Well, tell me a little bit about your journey. Uh, you know, what what's the one thing that uh, you've learned during this podcast that uh, was kind of an aha moment for you? We're talking about just from the podcast era, I would say, you know, I've recently realized like the real power of the ingenuity of podcasting. It's not just leveraging it for marketing. There's so much more value than just the aspect of interviewing someone, like building relationships, having this communication, and I'm learning at the same time. And then I'm also being able to leave breadcrumbs behind for anyone else that comes behind to listen to these episodes. It becomes more of an ecosystem of a wealth of information that that way once I'm dead and gone, someone else can take up where I left off or at least listen to the words of insight that you and I did today and take heed and take some action on at least 1% of what we're saying. And, you know, dead and gone, 20 years down the road, 50 years down the road, seeing someone be like, that was a really insightful episode and I took action and I got results from it. I noticed that, you know, you broadcast live on YouTube. Do you find this uh, as good at, as or better than, um, you know, the re recorded and posted later episodes? Well, again, I'm more of a strategist. So for my first year, everything was recorded and edited. Um, going into my second year of podcasting, closing it out, going into the third year now. Um, I was just at that point now, I was like, you know, how do I? evaluate and give more so obviously i've had a lot of requests for video and i've been putting video clips out here here and there but just the way technology is going i just want to make sure that you know i am still current but at the same time i'm still giving lots of value and in addition to that i've recorded so many episodes on a weekly basis it got to the point to where i was backlogged and i'm still backlogged for my like audio podcast so i think we're on episode 70 something but we've recorded almost 200 episodes so the only way I can equal out both of these plays is I can still keep my regular audio schedule and then I can do Facebook lives. I can do YouTube lives and kind of get this episode live out there, but then the recorded one will come out later on. So it kind of gives you a duality in marketing strategy as well. One is video and one is audio a lot cleaner later on. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it's been delightful to be here with you. I've appreciated the time to share my thoughts with your audience. Um, I do know that you, if you have entrepreneurs out there that want to 
you know, monetize all their hard work. Uh, they should at least give uh, 10 minutes of thought of eventually, someday, somehow, they're going to step away from their business. And when they do that, they'll be a lot better off if they thought about the process first. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely appreciate that. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things, again, everyone is so eager and motivated and hungry to first leave corporate America and then start their entrepreneurial journey. And then in that entrepreneurial journey, grow into a business and have that business potentially give them cash flow. But to your point, the period at the end of the sentence is always like, how are you going to exit out? I mean, eventually either you're going to die or the company could be sold or you'll get tired. But what is that process? What's that plan? And again, I think everyone that I've spoken to like completely, if I, if I recap all my episodes, we're always eager and ambitious to grow. But what do we do once we grow this monster? That's right. You know, that's that's where the focus should be. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, there's an entrepreneur on the planet that isn't eager to become more successful and grow their business, or they wouldn't be an entrepreneur. But at some point in time, they they should want to monetize it and to optimize the monetization. You know, um, you may be able to exit, but you may not exit at the optimal value. And it just, it's not that hard. Uh-huh. It's like anything else. It's not that hard if, if you take some time to lay out the strategy in advance. As I said, pack that parachute now. Have it ready to go when you're going to need it. Makes perfect sense to me. Well, I definitely appreciate your time. And I definitely appreciate you being on the show today, Mark. All right. Well, thanks. S.A. Grant over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash freebook.